from the heart of the Forest City, focusing on the biggest stories in London, this is the Craig Needles Podcast. Now here's your host, Craig Needles. It's the Craig Needles Podcast here at ClassicRock981.com, LondonNewsToday.ca. Of course, the Craig Needles Podcast is brought to you by Clearview Auto Glass. And I want to talk about what's going on within the Ontario NDP today here on the podcast. And let me tell you, uh, not great times over at Ontario NDP offices. Sarah Jama, who of course was elected in Hamilton Centre after Andrea Horvath resigned from that seat, following uh, their loss in the 2022 election. Uh, She is no longer a member of the NDP caucus. She's also been censured by the legislature, which the NDP did not vote for. We'll talk about that too. But I want to talk about what's going on within the Ontario NDP right now, because it is an ugly situation and an ugly time. Sarah Gemma, if you're not familiar with the story, I'm sure you are if you're listening to this podcast, but she was kicked out of that caucus because of her statements on the conflict between Palestine and Israel, and not necessarily just the original statement, but according to people within the NDP, what happened after that. So I want to talk with Eric Eiffel about that. She, of course, is a journalist, and you've uh, certainly seen her online, and she's involved in all sorts of different things, and she joins us here on the Craig Needles podcast to have a talk about that today. Erica, thank you for doing this. Hey, how's it going? Going all right. It's a, it's it's a busy week around here, but busy is good in 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 my estimation. So, yeah. uh, and it's and it's great to talk to you again. I, I we we uh, hung out when you were in London one uh, end of the summer, but uh, uh, nice to yeah. uh, nice to chat with you, even if it's uh, it's virtual this time. Yeah, with oh. our mutual friend, yeah. I now get to hear your your podcast voice. Yeah, yeah. The the podcast voice and the real voice, uh, the podcast voice slightly more serious. Slightly more serious. Uh, it's to 9 out of 10 serious as opposed to the 8 out of 10 serious in my voice typically. Uh, let's, uh, let's get into what happened here. So Sarah Jama puts out the statement about the Palestine-Israeli conflict, which I, I'm going to be straight up. I don't think it was necessarily that outlandish a statement. I get that there were some departures from the federal party's policy on that, but I don't think she was way outside the bounds of what they were talking about there. Uh, people may disagree with that statement, but I don't think she was way outside the bounds of what they were talking about. However, She's, she she um, she actually started right. by quoting a UN special rapporteur, I, I believe. Yep. And um, and quoted their own words. So I don't and I know why she did it. <laughs> like she did it for this reason. Yeah. But, um, yeah. It, it, I, I'm very surprised that people are like surprised by the statement, too. Yeah, I, I just don't think it was, you know, way outside the bounds of what the NDP had already been talking about. Again, there are going to be people who politically disagree with the statement. That's fine. But I'll, 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 I'll read the quote from it. Uh, As explained by Michael Link, the UN Special Rapporteur for the Situation of Human Rights in the Palestinian Territory, she called and he called it apartheid. Quote, a political regime intentionally prioritizing fundamental political, legal, and social rights to one group over another in the same space on the basis of racial, national, ethnic identity. So she called what's going on there apartheid, which she is far from alone in that opinion. Far from alone in that opinion. Absolutely. Uh, And then she went on to say that she wants to look for a solution to this endless cycle of death and destruction. Uh, She wants to end uh, all occupation of of Palestinian land and end apartheid. Canada must hold true to its history of peacemaking and refrain from military intervention. My heart genuinely goes out to those impacted by this ongoing bomb. So that was on October 10th. So a few days after 
what had happened with uh, the the big uh, attack by Hamas on Israeli citizens on October 7th. Right. Things get turned up. The, the heat gets really hot, but she stays in the caucus up until October 23rd. Now the claim going around is there was some sort of deal that she had with Merritt Stiles about what she was and was not going to do going forward. And Sarah Jemma broke that deal. What's your reaction to what we're seeing with Sarah and how this has progressed since, you know, everything really got going from Sarah's angle on October the 10th? I actually spent, this is, this is rare for me, but I actually spent two weeks in my column talking about this issue. And basically we should all be afraid, not just people in certain political circles, but we should all be afraid of the bigger picture that's happening here. This is a democratic, a democratically elected MP who got censured, right? Meaning she cannot speak and she cannot vote. Right. And I think that is, that's offensive. I, and when what it the, is what, an offense to democracy. Totally agree. What the progressive conservatives did here is way beyond the pale, way beyond so the pale. Basically what they did is they used a black woman with disabilities to, to, to distract from their scandal ridden government and their investigation by the RCMP to turn the channel and the NDP doubled down and supported them in it. That's the, what happened. Right. Now you can't even trust the NDP to stand by principles. So I don't know what kind of deal they're talking about. And all of this language about feeling unsafe is very racially coded. How do you feel unsafe? by a black woman in a wheelchair. Uh, so I I, I, will, I want to just clarify one thing. I know, I'm is, going ahead. No, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But, I, I do but, want to say the NDP voted against the motion at Queen's Park to censure Sarah Jama. Only the progressive conservatives voted for it. The liberals abstained for some reason, which I, I found to be Well, I find that uh, Ridiculous, horrific. yeah, uh, absolutely ridiculous. But this uh, is what I say about centrists, right. okay? You know, I always complain about centrists slash moderates slash what's the other one? Anyway, they abs their abstinence is exactly the problem. Their silence is a problem. I don't know why they abstain. I know why they abstain because they want to straddle the fence. Yeah. They don't want to offend anybody yeah. so they don't take a stand. Right. They want to let the NDP have their own little tire fire. Corrupt. Right. In and my opinion. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and and I will say, I will give credit to some people. Uh, you know, uh, Aaron Woodrick has an example from McDonald Laurier Institute. He he has some very, very deep di political disagreements with Sarah Jama on this particular issue. But even he and some other people who are kind of in the, the pro-free speech crowd that would have deep political disagreements with Sarah Jama have come out and said, no, what happened here? with this particular vote, with this particular censure, was absolutely ridiculous. And I and I agree with that entirely. Well, that is a free you. speech I'm issue. I'm glad the yeah. free speech crowd... Not everyone, well, but some. Well, yeah. at least a few of them are rising to the occasion. Uh, like, it, this is why politics makes strange bedfellows, by the way. And this yep. is... this is These little minutia, these little connections, it, it really makes politics interesting, which is why I'm, I'm in it. But... Um, my, my big issue is 
the larger picture. For the last couple of years across this country, we've seen an institutional curtailing of rights. I'm talking about Quebec's use of the notwithstanding clause twice. I think the Ford government has tried to introduce it three times, something like that. And just recently, Saskatchewan introduced um, and, pa and passed this in the notwithstanding clause motion for um, their anti-trans policies. So across the country, this is how um, the loss of rights becomes institutionally systematic. And it's being levied against marginalized communities. I find that disturbing. Yeah, I, I think it's very disturbing. Uh, and and I know that a lot of the analysis, and I know that you, your analysis has said that um, some of this has to center on Sarah Jama's race. And if she was someone of a different ethnicity, would this have gone differently? And I, and I can't sit here and say I know for sure that it would have, but I think there's at least a chance, and I think it's worth talking about whether it would have gone differently. Isn't she also Muslim? Uh, I don't know her uh, religious beliefs off the top of my head. But, okay, yeah, off but, the top of my head, I yeah. think she is. Well, there so, you go. There's the intersect. Well, there's so many intersections here, you know. But as I say, it you have to you have to wonder why. I, I find this just an obscene um, intersection of anti-blackness, Islamophobia, and ableism. To be honest, so the fact that the NDP doubled down on this outcome tells me that their leadership is questionable. Whoever runs the executive offices and makes those decisions have alienated a group of people that they cannot afford to alienate. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to talk about with you. So there, there is chaos within the NDP internally right now. And there are people here in London who are longtime NDP volunteers that have said to me, Craig, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm just never going to work with the Ontario or even federal NDP again. And I've asked a few of them to come on this podcast and, and they didn't necessarily want to for a variety of reasons. And that's fine. No one has to come on a podcast and talk to me. However, uh, this attitude is out there, which is there are some people who are longtime NDP donors long-time NDP mm -hmm. volunteers, campaign organizers that are done with the Ontario NDP because of this decision. And Merritt Stiles has to wear that. Even if you think Merritt Stiles made the right decision here, even if that's what you believe, you have to acknowledge that there is a significant downside to the way that this has progressed for them, right? Well, look, if, if you agree with her decision, there is a way to do it. Mm -hmm. And what is coming out of reports with the way the executive branch of the NDP, the Ontario NDP, has handled this issue has been disrespectful, to say at best. And the added disrespectful behavior shows that they don't see her as valuable. They don't see her value. They... they 
and and that happens well, a lot. In and, and and they see her value with it when she's within a certain box, I suppose, because they wanted her to be a candidate, and I think they wanted to be able to have New Democrat Ontario uh, Ontario New Democrat caucus photos of hey, look, there's a black woman in a wheelchair on our pamphlet when all our MPs stand side by side or or are, are, are in the same photo. That's what they wanted. But as soon as she colors a little bit outside the lines, then it's a problem. That's that's how it comes off to me. Well, then that's tokenism. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, so they're upset because their token has a voice. And and like it's not as though and, she, and she was secretive about this stuff. It. It's not as so though she was secretive about. Yeah, you know that that to me is anti-blackness. And, and, and it's not as though her views on the Palestinian-Israeli conflict were a secret before, during, or after she was selected to be the NDP's candidate in Hamilton Center. That was never a secret. No, that shouldn't have shocked anyone. So here's what I, and I'm going to put this to you. So we, we were, we're hearing all these NDP insiders go to reporters and say, hey, there was a, a deal here that Sarah and, and Merritt yeah. Stiles had made and Sarah broke the deal. I'm willing to acknowledge that's possible. I want to put to you what your thoughts are on that and then I'll sort of backfill my thoughts on it. But what, what do you think of the fact that there was a deal here that got broken? Or at the very well, least, that's I, what we're being told. Well, went on administration. Right. That's, that's the thing. They're, they're, they are arguing an emotional issue at an emotional time and a structural issue, which she talked about, right? But how it reflects in Canada is what we're seeing. There is a chill in this country. And the chill um, is for certain opinions. If you look at what's happening with York, university um and uh them threatening to uh, is uh, to to remove the student unions who penned a pro-palestinian or or stood on that stance um you look at tmu toronto metropolitan university who really ironically former ryerson should really <laughs> Yeah, just really uh, read the room a little bit, eh? Yeah. On this, but they too are doing the same thing. And I'm sure that is um, their donors and people in power complaining to them. But what I'm really seeing is a, a, more of a fissure between the political, the political class and people in power and ordinary citizens. Like, when white kids at Yale, okay, are marching, you've lost a generation, right? And you could see how this is starting to play out politically, where I'm starting to think some miscalculations were made, and now they're doubling down because they feel they can't go back, probably. Um, but the more people are killed, the longer this goes on, Politically, it looks bad for the people in power. Yeah, I, I like the actual conflict here. I have a hard time diving into it from the perspective of, look, there have been horrific things that have happened that have have gone both ways here. I understand that what is going on in Gaza is a variety of human rights violations. I understand that uh, for the most part, uh, the people that are getting hurt in Gaza are civilians who have not done anything wrong in their lives and are not 
and, and, and are not a threat to anybody. I understand that's part of this. But it's collective punishment. Right. That's as yeah. much as as much as Trudeau says uh, we're following international law. They are not. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, and, 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 and I know that people are going to say, well, the, the hospital thing that that was uh, uh, that was uh, 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 a Hamas bomb, a Hamas rocket gone wrong. It wasn't, you know, Israel, and that's what all the intelligence says. And that, that's fine. But there's still sorts of all, all of the. There's all sorts of very clear war crimes and human rights violations going on beyond that here. When we're talking they about could actually power the and electricity, Christian population, like they could wipe out. Yeah, like they're about to be extinct. That's if th- that's. That's how this could go. And, and I, I hope that's not the way it goes. And I know there are hostages. And I understand that's all part of what's going on here. I get it. However, here at home, I think that there is clearly a very significant portion of the population that is on the Palestinian side of this. And I get yeah. that. And a lot of those people... Or, or at least... At least they want to see a ceasefire. Right. Yes. And that's right? what the, at the very least, that's what the federal NDP is calling for right now. They want to see a ceasefire. And that's the position of the federal NDP. And, and that's fine. That's their political position. I know some people would vehemently disagree with that, and that's okay. But that's their position here. Um, but I, what I don't see, though, is what the future holds for the Ontario NDP if they have cut themselves off to people who traditionally and typically would be their supporters in an Ontario election. And what does that mean for Jagmeet Singh and the federal NDP if you've got wow. a whole lot of people in Ontario who are just done with the party in general, right? That's that's yeah. what I'm wondering about, Erica. It's, it's funny how closely um, the federal and the provincial NDP governments are in people's minds, right? Yep. And I think that this spillover, this will spill over into the federal NDP and it's going to be interesting to see how Singh maneuvers, because if you look at the NDP convention, I didn't see any political wisdom there. No, no, there wasn't anything that came out of there that made me say, hey, things are going great here. I'll tell you that much. Right yeah. Now. In fact, they seemed kind of liberal, like light. And, and when the protesters burst in or whatever they did, um and you know you had pictures of the police and the police standoff i mean that is the kind of thing where as a leader you could actually on a from a political lens take that moment and take control of that moment right but i feel like the party is hiding from this in a very significant way and um Listen, I will say this. I, when Hamas struck Israel, I called up my Jewish friends and I was like, oh my God, holy hell. I'm, I'm speechless. Like, this is horrific, right? So I don't want to sit here and talk, not say that because... I think for me, I don't want to litigate this conflict. Right. What I do think that we should be talking about is where the hell is humanity? And at what point does humanity enter our politics? It's a fantastic question. I I don't see it anywhere. 
I don't even see it with the NDP. And that is troubling for me. I feel like I think the NDP has failed, is is failing this country. And I, I don't know where they go from here because, yeah, I don't know. So we'll talk about it provincially first. So what I would say about the whole deal thing with Sarah I'm talking Jammer, about both. Yeah, I know, I know you're talking about both. <laughs> and I, I, I want to kind of separate it out a little bit. So provincially, mm. uh, the whole deal thing between Sarah Jama and the Ontario NDP and Merritt Stiles. Uh, if I'm an Ontario NDP member, if I'm someone who is on the fence as to whether they want to be involved in the party anymore, I'm going to have to know, A, what the deal was that Sarah Jama made with the party, and mm-hmm. B, how did she break it? I'm going to need to know those two things. And, and Merritt Styles isn't really talking about it at this point. But to me, that's what I would want to know if I were in that position, if I'm thinking about, hey, do I want to be involved in this party anymore? Yes or no. Uh, I would need that information. And I feel as though uh, it's not unreasonable for people who are deciding where their donation money goes, where their volunteer time is going, to ask that very legitimate question as far as, okay, if you're going to tell me that there was some sort of internal agreement that was broken here, I need to know what was broken and how it was broken. So there's that part for the provincial NDP. I don't know how Merritt Dials bounces back from that because I think you're going to see a lot of people who are longtime volunteers say, I'm done with this. And I had people in my Twitter mentions, Erica, saying, well, the electorate forgets about this stuff by the time, you know, a campaign rolls around in 2026. And I generally agree. When it comes to internal party politics, the vast majority electorate is not going to be all that worried about it. But we're talking about pissing off people who are your door knockers, who are your campaign managers, who are your donors here. They don't forget this shit right so to so your first point um about uh, you know was your first point about the, the, point, the, my, my first point, point yeah uh, my, my first point was you know if i'm an ndp member who is who is on the fence ah. about whether i want to be on this in this party anymore i want to know more about how this whole thing broke down that's that's that was my well, first point Craig, that is the job of journalism well there you go and I can promise <laughs> you, is, I have is, been asking. journalism's job to ask those yep. I can promise you, I have been asking. And I, I would think that the next time that Merritt Stiles is holding any sort of media availability, uh, this is going to come up um, and many, many times. And she's going to have to answer some questions. We'll see how she answers them. But she's going to have the chance to answer those questions. I, I, I'm certain of that. And the um, second part about the electorate. Forget yeah. it. Forgetting, yeah, the electorate will forget, but in between now and an election is work, and you're pissing off the people who work for you. Yep, and so that is what is um, really a concern for the NDP because it's not like they have bags of money either. So they do not, certainly not federally, provincially, they're doing a little bit better, but federally, they certainly do not have bags of money. Exactly. So they need to hold on to what they have. And, but this has been building up for a while, both federally and provincially. Um, Andrea Horvath during the, handled the pandemic poorly. Uh, She handled the election poorly. Uh, it, It just seems that they're just ornamental at this point. But, but the thing about the NDP, and this is provincially and federally, 
is that they have some rock stars in their party. Some real rock stars. The problem is the party. So you're thinking, is it leadership? Uh, is it the people oh, who I are around the leader? Is it everything? Problem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because management sets the tone. And to me, the tone that they've been setting is that this woman is expendable. Right? Absolutely. There's, no, that, other, there's no other message to take from how, how, they've, got, how they've acted exactly. the last week. So what does that say to your volunteers, to your donors, to your, if one of your MPPs is expendable? And what about them? Yeah, that's a phenomenal question. That's a phenomenal, and, and I think they're going to have to spend a lot of time uh, fixing what they've burned here. And look, and I will say, and I know there's probably going to be people who are Ontario NDP uh, members and, and volunteers and whatnot who are okay with what the party did. They're going to be screaming at this podcast. They listen to it saying, Craig, Craig, you know, they, they had Ford on the ropes. They had the RCMP investigation and, and Sarah Jama kind of uh, changed the political narrative in the province of Ontario by putting out some statements that were not vetted by the party. That's true. I, I, I'm not going to argue that point against you. That, that, that is true. However, you know, whether Sarah should have done this and whether the party handled this properly are two very different things in my estimation. Should she have done that? No. I, like I said on Twitter, I think that was a political liability. But she did it. And how you handle how she had, has gone about doing that, to me, uh, underlines the way that the party's being run and the competence level of the way of, of where the party's at right now. And I think that tells you what you need to know, which is the competence level is not super high. Sorry, but it's not. And this is a new leader too. Also that. So this is what she wants to be known for? Yeah, because this is just, this is going to be the next, like the next convention, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. This is going to be all, it's well, not all it's talked about, but this is going to be a huge topic of conversation. You want people within your party to be talking about, here's how we're going to beat Doug Ford in 2026. And they were not badly positioned to take power because I think people will be sick of the Ford government by 2026. In fact, several cabinet ministers have already indicated they're sick of the Ford government by deciding to not work there anymore. So I think mm -hmm. that the Ontario voter might be sick of Doug Ford by 2026 but if there's no competent opposition at that point he's probably just going to get reelected, and that's the way this is going to go and I would be really worried or about the liberals the... get their shit together yeah but I, I I don't know if I'm betting on that either if, if it's if it's just you know if it's Bonnie Crombie against Doug Ford if that's the matchup I think Doug Ford is oh, going to win no. yeah Oh my gosh, then I'm voting green. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, hey, I, I've, I've quite famously on this I, podcast I, said listen, several times, I, yeah, I've done, I that I've done that. Under, I don't always um, agree with everything Mike Trapper has. I'm not looking for a mini me, okay? You're just looking, looking for the best option, who, yeah. Who I think, in my opinion right now, I think the Greens are better than the NDP. Well, at the very least, the competence level of yes. what's going on day to day. And look, I know it's a party with one MPP, so it's a little bit different as far as, you know, running it. But the competence level of what's going on day to day appears to be very much better off from the Ontario Green perspective than it is with the Ontario NDP right now. I'll wait and, I mean, and pass judgment on the Ontario Liberals when I see the new leader. But uh, yeah, but, I, I, I but would agree with the, that. Here's the thing. Were I Mike Schreider? I would be drawing up uh, a plan to capture those voters. Yeah. I, 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 if I'm them, I'm in, I, very that's, good at the debates. Yes. If I'm them, I think that that's what they should be literally doing in this exact moment right now. 
if they mm-hmm. should be having meetings about how do we take advantage of this mess. And look, I don't know if the way to take advantage of like of the mess is to you know invite Sarah to join the party or whatever it happens to be. I think that would look opportunist. But yeah. I, so I don't know if that's what. But but how do we take advantage of the fact that there are a whole lot of voters who don't feel they have a political home in Ontario right now? That should be all they're talking about when they're not doing you know when, when they're not at Queens Park or whatever it happens to be is. How do we take advantage of this particular situation we find ourselves in right now? Exactly. By the way, didn't the Maples say that they're not working with the NDP anymore? Uh, yeah, something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, so, I, don't, I don't have the story in, right, right in front of me, but something along those lines, yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a tweet. Uh, I think it's David. Oh, geez. I'm going to, sorry. Uh, here it is. I've got, I, I figured I found it on their, their website right now. Thank you. Uh, in recent days, uh, Israel has killed more than 3,000 Palestinians, including, yeah, yeah, yeah go all the way through. Uh, Jagmeet Singh, the leader of the federal NDP, appeared as a speaker at a conference organized by the Center for Jewish, uh, or Israel and Jewish Affairs, one of the most fervently pro-Israel groups in Canada. And it goes on to say that, hey, we're not going to be working with the federal NDP anymore. Okay. So th- th- I'm just kind of reading the the Coles notes of the story. Uh, yeah, the Coles notes. Yeah, but this story ends with free Palestine. So it's very clear where the maple is at on this particular conflict. Oh, yeah. The and, maple is total yeah. free Palestine. Yeah. But it's... But th- this is this is a group of people that were that from their political home perspective, the the orange team should be where they're at. But they've been exactly. turned off by NDP leadership. Absolutely. And let's not forget, as far back as the was it the 2018 convention, there was a dust up um, over this very issue. So this has been going on within the NDP for years. My question is, how have you not figured out how to message a, a, a clear fissure in your party to bridge that gap? It's a good question. Over all these years. Because this, you're right, this didn't come out of nowhere. It is, this has been a, an issue within the party. And look, within many political parties for years is, hey, how do we feel about what's going on there? And it's not as big a fissure, but it, it exists as a fissure within the American Republican Party, too. Like there is okay. a there's a huge pro-Palestinian voice within the American Republican Party. You're obviously, for the, you know, oh, it's true. It's a real thing. Like you can find some of their influencers who are online right now talking about how, you know, there is uh, what, what Israel is doing is wrong and things along those lines. It's a real thing that's out there. So wow. I know it, it's, it's it yeah, that's a, that's a real thing. So. Um, you know, Jackson Hinkle is the name of the guy. This is a guy who's a regular guest oh, on, too? yeah. So he's like a regular guest on Tucker Carlson. Like you can see it in his screenshots that he has on his Twitter account. But at the same time, he's talking about how what's what you know what's going on in Israel is wrong, and, and the Palestinian people are being mistreated, and all this. So it's like there are fissures within political parties all over the spectrum about this very issue, and that's what makes it, I think, such a challenging one for leaders to approach. You know what I think too? I think they are seeing. Um, the difficulty Joe Biden is having with this issue. Because yep. when, when here's the thing, let me do some, a little light political demo, okay? Graphics, not demonstration. Right. Um, Joe Biden is in office a large part, and the Democrats captured the Senate in a large part because of black voters. Um, 
now and black voters young old millennial whatever they joe biden is in the process of alienating some of those voters and because a lot of those because there is a strong pro-palestine contingent in the black community you know absolutely that's just the way it's been look at muhammad ali angela davis all your faves right so right now what i'm seeing is joe biden alienating a cross-section of the public especially as he devils down and um again i i just see this political class that doesn't seem to be reading the tea leaves properly and instead of taking a step back and say eh, maybe we should uh, adjust what i'm seeing is them doubling down and trying to dominate and exert their power and i just considering that we are already against the backdrop of a move rightwards towards authoritarianism this isn't good because democracies don't be seem to be you know democratic yeah not when you have these major demonstrations every day and and again that leaves people feeling like they don't have a political home uh they don't like there's no voting outlet for what it is yes. that they they have an issue with and that's i think that's a dangerous uh that's a dangerous spot for us to be in, for sure. And, and that, that's, that's, that's in the Western world right now. That's not just Canada. That's not just the yep. United States. It's in the Western world right now. I think there's a lot of people that feeling, I don't have a political home. And it's people all over the political spectrum that are feeling this. Absolutely. I think, um, I know I haven't had a political home in years. So, but the more I talk to people, the more I hear this from them. Yeah. And so I think it's a real problem when people start to disengage from the political process because they don't see the political process responding to them. And this is just yet something else, yet another issue that really emphasizes that. Yeah, uh, it's true. Also, can we afford two wars? I have that question. Are our resources not gonna be stretched a little thin? I, I would need to talk to someone who knows a little bit more about uh, where we're at from a defense perspective. But yes, my, my first my first reading of where we're at here, based on people who do know about this, uh, the resources are stretched pretty thin as is. The resources are yeah. stretched pretty thin so as is. So, Canada, and look, I don't know if Canada's going to get involved militarily, obviously, here. But even the financial resources are stretched thin Exactly. As is. So Canada, let's not try to be Beyonce. Yeah. Sometimes you have to recognize your Lativia or Farah, and if you're like who's that exactly <laughs> uh i know that reference i don't know if everyone else is gonna know that reference but i know that reference uh, thank you yeah yeah uh i i'll ask you this uh before we wrap up here i, I wanted to, to circle it back to the uh uh to the ndp not necessarily destiny's child uh so do we think that Jugmeet Singh's leadership is long for this particular party? Like, obviously, he's getting one more election. 
But just the oh. way that we've seen the infighting and it's become messy. And like you said, they, they this is an issue that's been going on within the party for years. And they've never found an answer that really makes sense. And they're here with the supply agreement with the liberals. And I don't think they've gotten nearly enough from the agreement to justify what they've done. Like, do you think that the like is his leadership long for the party? And what's the future of the federal NDP look like? Because I honestly don't know. I don't know either. Like I say, they have some rock stars. Like uh, I love Matthew Green. I love Leah Gazan. Um, the uh, Heather McPherson. She's their foreign affairs critic, and she's an, an MP from Hamilton. Uh, not Hamilton. Excuse me, Edmonton. 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 Yes. Shout out Edmonton. Um, so she is the first one in Parliament that I saw call for a ceasefire. And that's now the federal party's position on this issue, by the way. That is correct. Yep. So um, they really have some rock stars in there. I think a lot of it is going to depend on how Quebec goes. I think Quebec is a real concern for them. And, and look, and this has been the thing ever since Singh became the leader. And, and I know that this is not the nice thing to say, but this is just the real world. Is a guy who's a Sikh guy ever going to lead a political party that's very successful in Quebec? Uh, I don't know if ever, maybe I shouldn't say ever, but in 2023, is that going to happen? Probably it's not. It's not going to happen in 2023. Pro you know, or 2024, 2025, whenever we do this vote. Nope. Is a guy who's a Sikh guy going to lead a party that's very successful in Quebec? The answer is almost certainly not. Sorry, it's just it's just not going to happen. I'm. It just, that, it's like, Quebec. Yeah, exactly. Like there's, I, I don't like uh, people don't like to hear that, but I, I it, it's the truth. That's the way things are. It's Quebec. Like, let's not pretend. Yep. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're like you know, there's a reason why they have bills there to make sure that people can't wear turbans or wear hijabs or whatever it happens to be. Like that exactly. that, that those that exists there. Like we can't pretend it doesn't. So, um, yeah, exactly. no, it's it's true. Yes. And the Bill 21, notwithstanding clause. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that, well if, we, if we were to talk about Bill 21, we'd be doing this for another round. No, we're not going to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I we, feel we, like we, we did that already. Yeah, though. I think we may have. I think we may yeah. have. Either way, okay. Bill 21 is bad. <laughs> and every every federal political party has a bad position on Bill 21. Oh, uh, um, totally. Yeah. But, but you know what's so interesting, too? Just let me say this about the federal liberals. Sure. Yep. This whole, oh, well, we're not calling for a ceasefire, um, really does undermine. Like some of, it, some of their MPs are calling for a ceasefire, which is yes. interesting. Yep. So let, that pressure is going to, as I said in my column today, that pressure will build. It, mm -hmm. it just, as this draws on, and if there's a ground offensive, when there's a ground offensive, this will build that pressure. So, um... But what's interesting is how does his stance uh, in this on this issue undermine his diversity pledge, his multiculturalism, his uh, diversity is our strength. I feel like there's that exposes a lot. Yeah. No, I I I, I think so too. I I it's just there. They're in a fascinating position because uh, there's some disagreement within their caucus, too, about the ceasefire issue. There, As far as I know, there's no disagreement within the NDP caucus about the ceasefire issue. Uh, but within their caucus, there's some disagreement about whether ceasefire is the right thing. And look, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, everyone should be calling for a ceasefire. I get that it's complicated. And I get, like you said, ground offensive, assuming that's going to come, which I assume it will, is going to make this even more complicated. 
Um, but there is clearly some disagreement within these political parties as far as what the position on this stuff should be. That 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 is just part of any objective analysis as to what's going on here. Yeah, and I I'm my my whole position is can we like stop the killing? Yeah. I, I feel That's the same my, way. Like, I want I want civilians to stop dying. Yeah. And they're, exactly. they're like now I'm not By saying civilians way, are only dying on one side. Civilians are dying on both sides. There's it's heavily disproportionate. As far as the number, the percentages, of, and, and uh, but can, still, I want civilians make... to stop dying here. That's what I want. Yes, exactly. So however that comes, that's what I want explored by our leadership. Mm-hmm. But if they're not even open to the, to the issue or like to that position, then I, I, I don't know what we're doing. I weep for this country. I literally weep for who we are. Because I I do not, and I do not want to be a part of media papering over this either. I do not want that. That I do not want to be associated with that. Yeah. Uh, well, we will... Uh, Which have... did not happen here. Yeah. No. Uh, no, I'll tell you what. Yeah, they're, they're like... This has been gotten a lot of uh, discussion in Canadian media. I know some people like the tone of all the discussion. I understand that, but this has gotten a lot of discussion. Uh, we'll have to um, we'll have to leave the conversation there, Erica, because uh, I know that you've got things going on, and I've got things going on too. And this, uh, and I did not expect us to be uh, chatting for forty minutes about this, but here we are. So thank you so much for doing this. Anything else that you want to to add or, or or make sure we discuss before we wrap up our chat? Uh, this was fun. Subscribe to Bad and Bitchy Podcast. That's a good idea, yes. Where we where we do feminist podcast in a nuanced way. Feminist politics in a nuanced way. Where can we uh, find your writing? Yes, One, let yeah. me plug the Hill Times. Yeah, there so we go. I have a weekly column in the Hill Times. So check it out. Thank you so much and we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon, okay? Thank you, Craig. That's Eric Eiffel here on the Craig Needles podcast, which, of course, you can find at ClassicRock981.com on the newstoday.ca and wherever it is you get your podcast. The Craig Needles podcast is brought to you by Clearview Autoglass. With a bit of bad luck, your windshield took one for the team and you've got to get it replaced. The good luck is you've got Clearview Autoglass. Certified in OptiAIM Lane Departure Camera Calibration Service, Clearview Autoglass will replace your windshield quickly and safely to ensure the integrity of your vehicle. And they will submit your claim directly to your insurance company for you. Plus, they'll give you a $25 gift card. Don't just drive, enjoy the view with Clearview Autoglass. 540 Clark Road and clearviewautoglasslondon.ca. The Craig Needles Podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network. 